Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <ríe> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously. Shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. For some women, the physical scars and aftermath of having a baby are too much to bear. We all know we're different women after birthing our babies. And for the most part, we're better. But for some, the toll of our bodies could be a lot to handle. Today, we speak to board-certified plastic surgeon, to Dr. Roddy Raban, a mommy makeover specialist, about the myths, truths, and fears regarding plastic surgery after having children. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. All right. Good morning, Pamela. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. This is going to be like a, a very spicy, good episode. I'm excited to talk about this topic, which I don't think is talked about openly enough. Yes. And you know, when every time I mention uh, to one of our friends or someone that we knew who our guest was going to be and the topic, they were, yes, it's going to be so good. Yeah. I can't wait. I don't know, for some reason, plastic surgery, mommy makeovers has become a little bit of a cliche topic and is spoken about often, but in a very quiet area. Mm -hmm. And we kind of want to put it out there. And we we're talking to a doctor before we started recording. And it's true, a lot of it and most of it, I think, has a lot to do with the psychological effect and the emotions. And, you know, I'm excited yeah. for today. Yep. But first, let's jump into our motherish moments. And then we're going to have the doctor do a fatherish moment, which I think is going to be fun. Yes. Um, but are you ready with your motherish moment? I have mine. Yes, yeah, go ahead. So as you know, I have my daughter, Victoria. She is almost four. We have a dog that used to be my dog. I mean, Sebas. His name is Sebas. Sebas was my dog. But then for different parts of his life in, over the last 14 years, he's lived 
with my brother. He's lived with my parents. He's been all over the place. But now he's back and he lives with us because Victoria is obsessed with him. She loves him so much. So the dog's birthday was on Valentine's Day. And I said, you know what? Let's throw him a birthday party. So all the kids came over and we threw him a birthday party. And by me, by me saying we threw him a birthday party, I mean, I grabbed a little bowl. I put some dog food, some peanut butter on it and called it a day. And I was like, Wow. And we all sang happy birthday to him. And I swear the video of him is just like, he's living his best life. He had his eyes closed. We're all like petting him and we're saying happy birthday. And he was like, yes. There's a moment there where he kind of looked like Stevie Wonder. Like he was just like, just so happy, eyes closed, like living his so best life. So you became that person, the person who does throws you know her dog a birthday party. I have no shame. This is all about having no shame. <laughs> and I have no shame. We did it. It was so cute and he was happy. So whatever. He's 14 in dog years. That's like a million years old. I that's don't great. Know, I don't know math. My mother's moment, I'll be quick. I'll combine a few in one because it's been a hectic week. So Ford has pretty much been home all week. He was a little bit sick. And I feel like schools get less and less tolerant in terms of children and sickness because he wasn't that sick but twice I had to pick him up from school because he had I guess too many boogies picked him up of course my whole schedule goes like you know I'm huge on schedule so that kind of threw me off a little bit so he's been home and then the day for Valentine's Day the day before I explained to him that we're going to give these cookies and every cookie had a name for his friends and the next day the cookies were there so I guess he realized that we were not going to take the cookies to his friends oh, yeah. So the whole day he was asking for the cookies, but then the next day, like two days later, he was finally able to go to school, hand his cookies, and then they sent me pictures this morning of him giving each kid a cookie with his name, with their name. And again, I think he's too small to kind of understand it, but it, it was so sweet that I'm trying to instill in him like kindness and love and like, you know, be very personalized with each person. And I don't know, every picture of him with a child and their cookie, like just melted my heart. What I will tell you is something that I have learned recently is that even though they say you know all the parenting instagrammers whatever they're like you need to prep your child you need to let them know in advance so they know what to expect no you <laughs> can't do that because then if the plans change because know, if they get sick or whatever then they're like but you told me we were gonna do this and we're like uh we're not gonna do this anymore <laughs> i know but again this is like i think the first year where he was a little bit more aware of like yeah you know not that the exchange, like, you know, so I, I don't know. I just thought that it was worth the effort of the cookies for Valentine's Day. So now we're going to ask our guests. Hi, doctor. Good morning. I think this may be the first, is this the first fatherish moment? Wow, I feel so honored. Thank you for A, having me and B, bestowing upon me this uh, first fatherish moment. My son is uh, 15 months and he is very special to us as are all most kids to their parents. We, you know, my wife has had five spine surgeries, so we had to have our son through surrogacy, which was not something we ever anticipated, but are so grateful exists and humans um, are there to do this for other people. So about two weeks ago, I had a pretty terrible day at work. It was the first time I came home and my son was asleep. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed his, um, he replenishes me and I didn't know that. So he was asleep and I went up to my wife and she could tell that I just had such a shitty day. And I could look in the baby cam and I knew he wasn't really asleep. He was still kind of tossing and turning. So I looked at her and I said, can I get him out? And she's, of course. So I went and I got him out and he gave me the biggest hug ever. Cause of course he was excited not to be asleep. It was amazing because I had never had that 
type of connection to replenish me historically. I've always, you know, it'd either been my wife or friends or whoever. So for me, that was a, an incredible moment because I could see that, uh, you know, my child was this well of love that I could just tap into. Anyways, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawaii es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Hacer tequila Don Julio es como escribir una carta de amor a México. Beber tequila Don Julio es como declarar ese amor al mundo entero. Don Julio es el tequila de lujo original, hecho con la misma pasión que recorre las raíces de nuestro país. Porque si no es por amor, ¿para qué? Consume responsablemente. Don Julio tequila, 40% alcohol por volumen 2020, importado por Diageo, America's New York, New York. Hay gente a la que le encanta el McCrispy, y hay gente que nunca ha probado el McCrispy. Pero todavía no conocemos a nadie que lo haya probado y no le guste. Para pa pa pa. So let me introduce our guest today. I mean, he has an incredible, obviously, background in, his, in, in history, and I want him to tell me more about his story. But he's based out of Beverly Hills. I mean, he's a dad, like you mentioned, a mommy makeover specialist, a board certified plastic surgeon. And I mean, I think we should just, we're going to go ahead and just jump into the topic because we've gotten so many questions about this. Let's start with the myths, doctor. Why are so many women afraid or ashamed to discuss the need for plastic surgery after a baby? Okay, well, let's start from the top. First of all, you guys are awesome because the conversation of plastic surgery is polarizing. It's the best word I can say. There is absolutely no person on this planet. I've been doing it for 20 years. There has never been a place, a gas station, a party, a bathroom where someone doesn't realize I do this and then ask me a million questions. So there's no question. Everybody is curious, but it becomes polarizing because, you know, we live in an unusual time. It's either you're on this side where you're a TikToker, you know, you embrace this idea and actually have created an image or you're on the other side, which is love yourself. You know, this totalitarian concept of love yourself, give yourself grace, you're enough, you don't need to change for anyone. And there's this concept, which don't get me wrong, is absolutely true. So nobody really wants to talk about it, especially on a show called Motherish, because it's all about embracing your motherhood. But embracing your motherhood doesn't mean that you just accept whatever birthing and caring this beautiful child has done to your body. In some instances, you're blessed. You have one, two, three kids. You're unscathed for the most part. Yes, you have some battle wounds, so to speak. You embrace them. You're like, wow, I gave birth to these beautiful children. I don't look like the way I did when I was 20, high five. But that represents a very small minority. And everybody has that friend in their group. But the overwhelming majority of mothers who have had two or three or twins and breastfed for 18 months and gained 30, you know, 47, 52 pounds because they had a little bit of diabetes and were in bed rest. Their bodies don't look anything like their friend's body, yet somehow we're all clustered together and we just have to accept it. I can't even pick up my kid because my abdominal muscles are so shot that they don't function. I don't even want to turn on the lights because I feel embarrassed. I don't want to be intimate with my husband. I can tell you a hundred such stories. So the fact that we're having the conversation is great because first of all, we shouldn't generalize. We shouldn't say, we should just talk. 
and then let people decide for themselves. And facts help people. And the fact that you're having a conversation is great. And I am certain that people who fall into the latter category are like want to hear. And so that's the platform that I would say. The thing about mommy makeovers is it's not like a it's not like other procedures where you are 60 and your neck has started to sag, so you want a facelift. You are 23 and you have a nose you don't like and you want to change it. This is interesting because this came as a result of giving birth to your children. And so there's this huge emotional connection and this very psychological component that you don't have with other surgeries. And so because of the fact that it's very emotional, it has a lot of other attachments to it. So the biggest one that I hear over and over again, women are ready to get their surgery, they're super excited, and there's this sort of cloud. And I'm like, what's the matter? And they're like, I feel guilty. You know, I love the psychology of patient care. I love to dig. And I have half my practice are moms, so I dig a lot. And you know, the questions, the things are, I'm selfish because financially this is something that is taking away, quote unquote, from my kids. You know. Everyone thinks people who get plastic surgery are loaded. That's not even close. 10% of people who have plastic surgery are really wealthy. Everybody else is saving. We're like nodding um, our head to everything you're saying. <laughs> We're like, yes! he's like schooling us. He's yes. schooling us. I'm like, yes. The second reason is what if something happens to me? Wow, mm -hmm. what a horrible mother I would be. What if I go in there and as a result, I'm the 1% and like all of a sudden I get a stroke. That's me. What are they going to tell my kids? Your mom was this you know, oh, your mom wanted, wanted to be like snatched or, you know, whatever. No, that's a second fear. And third, the judgment, the judgment from the outside, right? That, oh, diet and exercise, you just couldn't hack it. Like as if if you would have gotten a trainer and ate right, all that hanging skin would have gone away. Like your belly that's been torn apart and the hernia that's in the middle of it just magically disappear with your trainer. So all that is the nonsense that preloads a mommy makeover, which doesn't do that with other surgeries. So the reason why it's so difficult for some women is that, and the last component is an intimate relationship with your spouse. And the reason is some spouses are very like gung-ho, honey, whatever you want, but some are not. And then there's this huge dynamic, which has become the center focus of a lot of my mommy makeovers is there's a lot of tension because some men, no one's gonna like the sound of this, some men prefer you to stay the way you are because there's a certain control factor that exists and there's a dynamic which is you look fine. And if you look hotter, if you look better, the dynamics change and you're empowered. I can tell you that I have witnessed with my own very eyes, a hundred or more divorces, and I'm not saying that plastic surgery causes divorces, of women who were in shitty relationships, get plastic surgery, feel empowered, feel beautiful, and then realize this guy is not been good to me. But because I felt insecure, I just tolerated it. So there's that dynamic as well, where your spouse is sort of not making you feel like this yeah. is such a great idea. And they say, oh, you're fine, I love you the way you are. Yet you didn't have four kids. Your body looks the same. You lost four hairs, a couple are gray. You look better, I don't know how come, but yeah. And I am not. So that's the landscape of why mommy makeovers are charged and other surgeries are not. That's so interesting. I was telling Karen, the friends that, I, that are close to me that have had mommy makeovers are not the stereotypical 
I want to say women who you would think are like obsessed with the image or like, you know, are out there like industries where required to show their bodies. Not at all. These friends are what you would say. And I don't want to, you know, label them, but like very conservative, very lay low um, type of women. But both of them told me one day I opened my robe and I was like, who is this person? There was also pain to one of them. Like their abdominal had, I guess, detached from, I don't understand. And I, I wanted you to, yeah, like explain a little bit of like what could happen to the body. That is not just because people, I think, have the stereotypical, you know, thought of a woman being like, oh, no, she's going to look like a Barbie. And she just wants like, you know, perkier boobs and a flatter tummy. But there's a lot more to the body that goes through once you birth a child, especially if you have, you know, twins, multiple pregnancies or... um and again, these are women who, for two different reasons, one was like, I just opened my robe one day and I just, I was going to go into a depression because I didn't know how to fix this. I didn't feel like myself. And again, this is just for myself and my husband. This is not, this is not a woman who has to be like in a bikini or who's, you know, on social media. Not at all. These are two, you know, one's a stay-at-home mom, the other one's a teacher. And, you know, so I just kind of want to break the barrier and kind of that, that stereotypical thought of who are these moms who are getting the mommy makeovers. So let me give you a little bit of insight. So there is a component of it that is cosmetic. And by the way, when we say cosmetic, there should be no shame. If you breastfed three kids for a year and a half because you love those children, and all of a sudden your breasts are down to your belly button, you shouldn't be shamed that you want to look better. Number one, you will love yourself more. Just think about when you get all decked out and you go to a party. You put on your makeup, you do your hair, you put on some perfume, you wear your Louboutins, and you get out of the house and you're like, I'm a million bucks. And that's just clothes. Imagine your body being discongruent with the way you feel inside, okay? So you will love yourself, you will love your children more. I have heard this a thousand times because whether you recognize it or not, they're the reason you don't look the way you do. You would never consciously say it, but you feel a liberation that I had my kids and I didn't have to give my whole life and body for it. And lastly, your intimacy improves. So cosmetics is downplayed because we live in a society now where it's very polarizing and we want to, and I love the concept, of embrace ourselves, but it's bullshit, right? We put on lipstick, we get our nails done, you color your grays, give me a break. Love yourself is a very great concept, but I love myself through taking care of myself and this is one of them. Now, shifting gears, there is a huge, huge reconstructive or medical reason for doing this. So I can't tell you the number of women that come to me because they were active, just active. I was a triathlete, I'm a volleyball player. I used to kick ass and do Pilates. I loved my core. I ran with my kids, I hiked with my kids. And as a result of the multiple pregnancies and or it could even be one, definitely with twins, my abdominal wall doesn't work. So let me explain you what that means. When you're 17, the anatomy of your abdomen is that you have two muscles that run up and down they're connected, they're called your recti muscles, they're your sit-up muscles, they're your six-pack muscles, which actually is an eight-pack, but who cares? So they're your muscles that allow you to move forward. You sit up, they pull you forward. They're connected to your pubic bone and to your ribs. And when they shorten, they lift you up. They also keep your abdomen, which is part of your cylinder, right? Your core, you have a core. We refer to core loosely all the time. A core is a cylinder that connects your head to your feet. And when that core, has a crack in it and those muscles get separated from pregnancy, you are unstable. So you get pregnant and your baby 
is big, whatever, and you're, every time you get pregnant at nine months, your abdomen is out to here. Well, what the hell had to give? The abdominal wall, the muscles start to pull apart to accommodate the growing child. Now it is a 100% lie, I want you to hear this from me, because this is what I do morning, noon, and night, that any type of rehab or PT or nonsense will make those muscles go back together. I'm gonna reiterate that, because there is a billion dollar mommy makeover business online with trainers who take women who are so vulnerable and then put them on these training programs because they're gonna fix their diastasis. It ain't going to happen. Now, what will happen is that as a result of your muscles being torn apart, which is permanent, they're torn, it's separated, you can rehabilitate the rest of your muscles and create core strength where that separation isn't affecting you. And that's where PT and training and aftermath of babies kicks ass. And yes, but to tell you that they're somehow making your muscles come back together is a lie. Now, when you have multiple pregnancies or a big pregnancy, that muscle separation becomes so great that now it's affecting your function. You cannot pee very well. You feel constantly bloated. You have a tremendous amount of back pain. You can't get out of bed without turning and you can't pick up groceries in your child. So when I repair the muscle for a functional status and you go read the reviews and the testimonials, people feel like a brand new kick-ass body. And that's the functional side that, you know, if you're not into vanity, fine, whatever. But from a functional standpoint, you regain your ability to be active again. So that's the part that you were talking about. And I assure you, there are many women who come to me who you would never imagine that are like that woman. I don't know what that woman is, but they're yeah. there because they can't yeah. enjoy their quality of life. Uh, doctor, is it true that, and you might not know the answer to this, but I've heard that some uh, doctors, when they are doing C-sections, they take advantage and try to sew some of those abdominal muscles back together again while they're in that process. Have you heard about that? So that's a, yeah, that's a wonderful myth. And I love that myth. I actually do it. <laughs> thank you for throwing me a, thanks for throwing me a lob. Um, I actually do a tremendous amount of C-section closures. I live in Beverly Hills. I take care of a certain subset of patient population that are blessed. They have a lot of money and a lot of resources. It is absolutely not necessary, but I'm in there doing C-section closures with certain subset of patients. And here are the myths associated with it. Number one, that while I'm there, I'm just gonna take a little bit of skin for you. Isn't that what all the celebrities do? And the answer is, that is not accurate. You cannot take a little bit of skin out of this tiny little opening. It doesn't work that way. And that's more of a myth than anything else. Secondly, while I'm there, I'll just snatch things up a little bit. And the answer is also not true because remember when you give birth, your whole body is just, I have still marveled at childbirth. I am a 20 year physician and I go into these childbirths as the plastic surgeon. And I'm like, jaw to the ground, like, uh, you I know, hope every blood, single father's baby. listening to this. Yeah. Especially as, you know, Mother's Day is coming around or birthdays are coming up. Listen to this. 
We do incredible stuff. <laughs> I'm in there and I'm like, uh, wow, okay, uh, I, I hope the baby's okay. Like, I'm tripping <laughs> because it's crazy. I mean, just like this human comes out of this uterus, out of a whole, like it, the whole thing is nuts. So it's really not the place where we do this. It's messy, there's meconium, there's tons of blood, you're stretched out. Look at the woman who has five kids. Granted, she's a unicorn. The five kids and is flat as a board. Imagine at the time of her pregnancy, she had so much extra skin. What if I removed skin? She had it, and now she's didn't have any extra at the end. She snapped back. So it's a horrible idea. It should never be done. It shouldn't be asked for. You go have your baby, you knock out your child, you survive, the baby survives, you go on. You go and you do your workout, you eat well, you lose as much of your baby fat as you can, you stabilize your life, you decide if I'm done having kids. No, no, my husband and I still wanna have a few kids. Great, go have your kids. They're not come out. Then be done, stabilize your weight, like where you live, I can sustain this. You will never be at the weight you were before you had babies. Throw that idea out the window. Most women cannot, their bodies are different. And you're like, I'm happy here. And then look in the mirror and if there's stuff you don't like, go fix it. The end. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere AroPay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor... Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante... ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en... ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso... Sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? I have another question. Something that you talk about a lot on your Instagram uh, account that I was in a deep, deep hole in last night um, <laughs> is around the effects of social media and how a lot of times you see particularly young women too, but all, all ages of women coming and asking for things that are completely unattainable, right? So this kind of like disconnection with reality of like the human being that they actually are, which I found super, super interesting given that I also work in the industry of the internet. So would love to kind of just hear more about your perspective on that and given everything that you see and hear every day. It's our modern day crisis, right? Every generation has a crisis. This is not unique. We're humanity, we're a society and our current crisis is exactly what you said. You actually said it quite well, which is the disconnect between who we are and what we think or want to be or attain. And there was a time where I was doing a little bit of like soul searching and I was doing like a lot of like self-help books. And there's a guy named Eckhart Tolle. He's just really boring sounding guy that's monotone, but brilliant. And if you can tolerate the uh, wah, 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 you'll hear some really incredible things. And one of the things he said that like has always stayed with me, unhappiness is the delta of where you are and compared to where you think you ought to be. Unhappiness is the delta of where you are and where you think you ought to be. So if you are close to where you feel you ought to be, you're happy. If there's a sizable gap between where you are and where you want to be, you're unhappy. Very profound and simple concept. So what social media has done is created a severe gap 
between where you are, normal human, and where you ought to be. AI, photomorph, bizarre, crazy shit, no one looks like it. So the greater this delta, the more you sit at home dissatisfied. And it doesn't have anything to do with age. 16-year-olds feel miserable, 45-year-olds feel miserable, 72-year-olds feel miserable. Because the idea of self, self, I am me, is not a modern day concept. It is a universal concept of hum a human that I am me relative to what? I am short relative to what? I am heavy relative to what? So when you look at these images more than ever before at a, like before you would drive and you'd look at a billboard, you'd look at a magazine or you'd look at a TV program, right? Let's say 20 years ago. If you back up, back up, before we had any kind of visual, I don't know, you were in an African tribe, you were in the jungles of the Costa Rican rainforest. The only point of reference you had was the other person you were looking at. Mind you, you didn't even know what you look like. There were no mirrors. <laughs> so this comparison element didn't even exist. Then came the advent of mirrors. Oh shit, I got bags under my eyes. What, what is this thing? And then came the point of comparison. But at least you were comparing yourself to actual people in the village. And then came advertisements, meaning things that were being pushed to you, which were on billboards, magazines, and TVs, but they were curated, smaller. We didn't have all this AI and morph, and it was just like airbrushed, so nobody had acne. And now it's blown out of the, like, just un crazy. Like, I'm foot taller, my waist is two sizes smaller, my nose is smaller, my eyes are, like everything is morphed and everybody is unattainable. And you, I had a show with my niece on, she's 19. I did all three of my niece's noses and they're superstar girls. They're all valedictorian, badass boss ladies, but they had Middle Eastern noses and just didn't like them. And we had one of them on and we were talking about it as a young girl, like it's crazy. You can't even post a photo to your friend without altering the image. Like you have to morph it before you send it to your friends because like, God forbid, they see you without a filter. So it has broken us. And so your question is, what do we do about it? Well, it ends up being the responsibility of the end user. The end user is me because you are subject to it. So you come to me as the guy and you say, hey, Dr. Rahman, I think my lip needs to be higher. Very common issue with young girls. This lip lift thing is a new phenomenon. So for a couple of years, it was bigger lips. Now it's higher lips. And so they want people to cut underneath their nose and lift their lip, okay? It's called a lip lift. It's a facelift of the lip. It's a very powerful and very permanent procedure. No going back. You own it. You're like 23 and you make this decision and your lip looks like it's a cleft lip and it's attached to the top of your nose. The scar is usually And it's like, whoa, well, that's pretty dramatic. And it might be stylized and you like it, but you're not gonna like it forever. And that shit is happening all over the place. So who's to stop it? Me, I'm the guy that has to do it. So if you come to my office and you ask me some crazy stuff, it ultimately is on me to help you say, hey, listen, I hear you, I understand. I think it's a bad idea. But unfortunately that's not happening because the practice of cosmetics has cracked wide open. So you guys think that everyone who's doing cosmetics is this board certified yada yada. It's not, we're like a, a small portion. There's OBGYNs doing tummy tucks. There's ENTs doing breast dogs. There's dermatologists doing facelifts. There's ER doctors doing liposuction. They're all under the umbrella of cosmetic surgeons. And if you go to my podcast, which is all about these kinds of things, there's a whole section on the alphabet soup of cosmetic providers. They're not all plastic surgeons. So you hit it right on the head and we gotta have this dialogue over and over and over again to try to stop people from getting lost in this, this, this 
photoshopped yeah, alternative yeah. universe. There's an, a line that I also love that I also read in one of these uh, self-help books, which is comparison is a thief of joy, right? If you continue to compare, you're never going to really be happy. And when it comes to motherhood and this mommy world, we always fall, a lot of us fall into this comparison based on time pattern, right? So this one gave birth around the same time that I did. Look at her stomach now or look at her boobs or look at, so it's very easy to, you know, through social media or even through just community itself, fall into this comparison game, especially when it comes to getting back the whole quote unquote bouncing back to your body and yourself and kind of looking like, you know, and time for us, I feel like we're always in this race where like, okay, well, her baby's a year old. My baby's a year old. Why don't I look the same as she does? You know, or when moms, you know, three months later, they're doing, you know, whatever they are, they're like in their bikinis and you're like, well, well, she's in a bikini. Her baby's only four months old. My baby's two years old. Like You know, so for moms, it could be such a black hole and so easy to fall into the comparison game. Very, very well said. And it's funny enough because my mom does that with my son. She comes over, God bless her, she's 80, so I, no judgment. And she's like, your cousin's child is a month less than yours. Has your, has your son started talking? Oh, I'm like, all what grandmas do that. We all do that, yes. That, it's called the milestones nightmare, yes. Everyone's like checking up if they're doing. So what you said is actually true. And so this is my advice to moms. This is just a blanket concept. You give birth at the same exact time as your twin sister. Can't get any more comparative, okay? And you guys are two different animals. And I'll tell you why. Genetics are a part of it. So you should never compare yourself to your girlfriend because you're just different. She has diabetes and you have high blood pressure. What the hell? Like you eat the same diet, you go to the same trainer. It's just the stupidest thing ever. You have to know how much your body stretched, how late in your pregnancy you went, an extra week, one extra week at 37 versus 39 is a massive difference in terms of the damage it creates. You need to know how much you, you gained and she gained. You gained 37, she gained 28 or whatever the numbers are. And it has nothing to do with how strict you were. Your body retained fluid. You had a boy, she had a girl. Your hormones went out of whack. You were on bed rest. You have to realize how tall you are, how wide your pelvis is. You have to realize if it was an emergency C-section and they ripped your muscles apart or they had this beautiful, elegant underwater birth that was like from a book. There are so many factors. So comparing yourself to anyone beside yourself is just insanity. And then the only thing you have to hold yourself accountable is am I doing my best? So the best you can do is take the two tools we have. That's all you have. You have a diet and you have an exercise. That's it. And the diet helps clean you up and get rid of the weight. Nothing is gonna make you get rid of weight but diet. Don't kid yourself. I do Pilates seven days a week. If you eat shitty, cause you eat mac and cheese with your son, because that's what the time you have, you're gonna stay heavy. The end, don't come and tell me, I don't know why I'm losing weight. Oh, doctor, I, you, you don't understand, I have a trainer. Okay, well, what are you eating? <laughs> well, if I wire your mouth shut, you will lose weight, the end. So the diet is the weight part and the exercise is the muscle tone, the core strength. After you have maximized your diet and exercise to the fullest of your ability, what is the fullest of your ability? What I can afford, what my lifestyle is, what I know I can, then you gotta look in the mirror and say, have I reached my limits of what I can do on my own? And then the question is, am I at that point content? Am I not content? And if I'm not content, then the question is, am I a candidate for surgery? So that's a big word, am I a can't. It isn't, oh, I can't do anymore, let me go get surgery. 
you have to be a candidate. In my office, I'm very strict. I don't operate on anybody overweight, ever, because you will have a shitty result. So you can't fix your DR, don't do it, but you can lose weight. I never allow anyone to walk into my office and give me any flack about being 30 pounds overweight. I'm not operating on you. Go lose the weight, come back, because you're gonna have a mediocre result and you're going to spend a shit ton of money and this is your one chance at getting your joy back. Go lose the weight and come back. Everything else I understand, I give you grace, I understand. One of my dear friends was also told she had to lose 25 pounds or 20 pounds before her tummy tuck. She's a mommy of three. She had a little girl and then she had twins. And she felt so good even before the surgery. She was like another person. Like losing those 20 pounds, her demeanor, her attitude, you know, her energy. She was a different person. And then after the tummy tuck, she's on top of the world. You know, and again. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think those are the things that you do as a mom. You're like, I knocked out these kids. I feel great. I'm a super mom. I've really ratcheted down my diet. I know what I eat. I do portion. And I'll tell you my secrets on eating. It's really not a secret, but nevertheless. I watched what I ate. I worked out to the best of my ability. And I'm here at the precipice of my life. I'm in a good relationship. My husband loves me. You really don't want to do plastic surgery when you're in some turmoil. It's just not a good solution. I'm in a happy place. Everything is good. I just hate my body. High five. We live in 2023. Fix it. Like, holy shit. I had a child through another woman. Another woman had my child. Like, what the heck? Like, awesome. That's part of being in a modern day society. Your grandmother lived with it. She just walked around with her like panza and her like, and her like faja. And that's how she was. Like, okay, that was her generation. I don't have to do that. Right? So take advantage of what's available to you. Don't go bankrupt, you know, save the money. A couple of things. Number one, one huge mistake is like, I'm ready, I want it now, okay? You do your research, you go online, you do all your homework, you ask your girlfriends. If, shame on you if you don't do homework. There's just like eight million resources now. I created a site, it's called Beauty After Baby. Beauty After Baby. I spent four years of my life making this site. It is the largest website on the internet for moms. Quizzes downloadable questions for you to take to your doctor, videos, you name it. It's called Beauty After Baby. You do your homework. Okay, I got it. I know what I need. You go to your doctor in Florida, Miami, Germany, wherever. If you do your homework and you realize, I like this doctor, this doctor in Miami, he seems legit. Oh shit, I can't afford this. What's the answer? The answer is save. Save the goddamn money. The answer is not, screw it. I gotta have it. I'm going to this other guy. He's in, right. yeah, yes. it's a strip mall, no, but no, no, whatever. No. How, how could someone you know check what? if they're board certified plastic surgeons? Is there an actual database where you could confirm if they're board certified plastic surgeons? Yes, you can. First thing you wanna do is just go to your uh, state board. Don't even bother. California Medical Board, put in the doctor's name. If he comes up with any kind of infraction, move on. There's just too many doctors now. I'm sorry, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that if if there's a an actual infraction, they like found them guilty of something, not just there. Secondly, you go to the American Board of Plastic Surgery, not the American Board of Cosmetic, yada, yada, yada. American Board of Plastic Surgery. That's the basic. So my point is, if once you've identified the person you love, oh my God, this guy's the bomb, and you can't afford him, you save. You don't go to some shoddy guy in Miami. Another woman died in Miami. Do you know how many women have died in Miami in the last two years from BBLs? The stupid ass BBL. 50 some odd year woman dropped dead. There's so, I did a whole thing on it. I'm like, I don't remember, it was like Maybe CNN or something like everyone about Everyone has a Brazilian dying. butt lift. 
it's out of control, right? It's images. It's images. The 90s, we were about cocaine chic thin. People were like starving themselves, eating cotton balls to stay skinny. Then all of a sudden the pendulum swung, curvy, Kardashians, yada, yada, yada. Of course, now she's, they're all on Ozempic and lost a ton of weight. And now everyone's freaking out because they're huge and they're not. And now they're angry because it's like, hey, you made curvy popular and now you're skinny. What am I going to do with all this fat in my butt? But nonetheless, nonetheless, I digress. If you can't afford the surgery, don't go to some shoddy ass place. Save the money, put in a tin can, $200 a month, whatever. Go to the right person because everybody comes to my office and they look at me with puppy eyes and I have no grace for anyone who can't lose weight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because you coming to me saying, I want you to make me better. I'm miserable. I'm so miserable. I'm going to take all this chunk of money, throw it on the table, have you cut me open. And I'm telling you as your surgeon, lose 20 pounds. I'm not telling you lose 75 pounds, lose 20 pounds. So you get a better result. Then you look at me like I can't, well, I can't help you. So how do I lose the weight? What's the secret? It's what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat. That's it. I'm going to repeat it. What you eat, when you eat, how much you eat. So let's start with that. I barely eat anything, Dr. Raban. Well, show me your diary. Okay, you're right. You only had a thousand calories today. Mazel tov. But there was a thousand calories of chips and chili relleno and a little bit of bean dip. Like, come on. So what you eat matters. It matters if you eat a pound of broccoli or a pound of chips. You need to be held accountable for eating well. Check. Dr. Raban, you have no idea. I eat so clean. Okay, show me your diary. Yeah, you eat so clean, but you had like 200 pounds of broccoli. That's calories. You can't just eat clean, but eat a lot of it. You, you can't eat endless amount of food. You're just consuming too many calories. So what am I eating healthy? How much of it I'm eating according to my needs? A normal human being needs between 1,500 and 2,000 calories. Unless you're a triathlete and you're doing a thousand mile race, you don't need any more than that. And the last component is really the key component. When do I eat? So I eat clean. You said eat clean. Okay, great. I barely eat anything, Dr. Raban. It's really only 1,400 calories. Awesome. When do you eat it? At 9.45 at night. You eat all 1,100 calories at 9.45 at night? Yeah. I work, I get home, my son, blah, blah, blah. I go all day, this whole intermittent fasting thing, I follow that too, and I ate all of it at night and then I go to bed. Well, duh. So you have to eat those good calories at reasonable times. We're not designed to have two huge meals. We're designed to be grazers. We're supposed to eat all goddamn lay all day long. So eat the good calories, which you have quantified throughout the day, make little bags. You prep for your kid, right? Your kid goes to school. Your kid doesn't go to a vending machine. I'm assuming you're giving your kid good food, carrots, celery, whatever, almond butter, whatever it is that you like. Make an extra bag of it and mimic your child's meals. You don't have to go out of your way. Don't make anything special. Quinoa for yourself. Like the same crap you feed your kid. Yeah, don't complicate yourself, yourself. And eat throughout the day. And don't eat after 6.30 and you're done. You will never not lose weight. It's impossible. So those are the really, really easy Raban tricks to losing weight. I've now outspoken my last my question. <laughs> my last question is, what do you say to the people who are afraid of getting plastic surgery? Afraid of, like you said, being that 1% that something crazy happens to me and I die during my surgery. What do you say to that? Okay, you guys are the bomb. You guys threw me so many good lobs. And made me <laughs> so what are the fears? There are two fears that predominate plastic surgery. One is death or something catastrophic and the other is pain. 
a lot of people are pain intolerant. I've talked to my girlfriends, I can't. She was hunched over, she was dying, she was miserable. So those are the two things that are gonna prevent you from getting it. Let's talk about the pain first and then let's talk about the death and I'll wrap it up. So pain, I can only speak on my 20 year experience. I have people who come in and they are so petrified of pain that it's taken them 10 years just to come see me. I don't know what this pain business is about, but plastic surgery should never be that painful. If it is, something isn't right. Let me phrase it for you. At the very worst, worst case scenario, I'm talking worst, you have a tummy tuck, which is uncomfortable. It's a, whatever a C-section is. Oh, I had a C-section, it was a 10. Okay, then this is a seven. My C-section was a six, this is a four. Whatever your C-section was, which is tolerable, right? People have them all day long, this is less. So the worst case scenario is that your pain is un very bad for four or five days. If your pain is greater than that for the, more than a week, something went terribly wrong, this guy's doing something wrong. You can read 1,000 reviews, 1,000 reviews on my site, all of them, because I beg them to talk about pain, some are like, holy shit, it didn't hurt at all. I didn't. I have all these pain meds. I'm just gonna sell them online. Some are like, it was uncomfortable a few days. Some are like, it was terrible, but it went away after a week. You know, I have a podcast and I try to address all of these issues every week. One of them was I had a patient like, oh, Dr. Raban, I was so scared. I waited like eight years. I can't believe I wasted all that time. I'm afraid of pain. Shit, this was less than my C-section. And I said, well, why? She's like, I don't have to carry a child around after I give birth. They didn't rip through my abdomen. It's all about me resting and taking it easy. And so we did a podcast on pain versus C-section. She came on and we did pain versus C-section versus tummy tuck. We so pain should never so be unbearable or intolerable. So that takes care of pain. It always should be manageable. So all your friends that are like, oh my God, it was horrible. Very simple. Just don't go wherever they went. The end. Now, the last part, which is I'm going to die and they'll have it on my tombstone that I was a greedy mom and I went to go be, you know, flaca, you know, some, you know, whatever, whatever. My kids will come with my kid's new stepmother. I can just, you have this whole story on your mind. Okay, so we're gonna talk statistics. We're numbers, not gonna talk emotion. So if you, and here are the, all the ifs, everything has a caveat. If you go to a board certified plastic surgeon who uses a board certified or authentic anesthesiologist who's in a legit accredited facility who has incredibly well-documented reviews, incredibly well-documented presence. You do your homework, you cross your T's and dot your I's. Just there alone, the probability that something horrific would happen to you is infinitesimal. Where shit happens is, well, I kind of didn't do my homework. I went to where my girlfriends went. The place looked a little shady. I'm not sure who the anesthesia provider is. It was a little cheaper than I had anticipated. Shit doesn't go wrong for no reason. The probability that you do all of everything right and then an airplane part goes through the ceiling and kills you on the operating table is quite small. So you are more likely statistically to get hit by a car while you're driving to the surgery center. I'm driving, I, today's my big day, my mommy makeover, bam, you just got hit. Drunk driver kills you. It shouldn't be that way. When you go online and you read all these stories, you know, mom of three dies in Florida. Ma, if you follow the story and you really dig, you'll find something didn't add up. Kanye West's mom, oh, she died, how could that be? I mean, she's like, it can't get any better than that. Yeah, she wasn't medically cleared. 
She was not medically cleared. She had hypertension, all this stuff. The doctor didn't clear her. And then she went somewhere else and got it done anyways. Joan Rivers dropped dead. They did the procedure in a clinic. They should have been done in a hospital. Every one of them has a reason. So your likelihood of having a bad outcome is very small. Just don't cut corners because you can't afford it. You don't have the time, you, you whatever. Treat it like it needs to be treated with reverence. Do your homework, be prepared, be a good candidate and have an incredible experience that will alter your life in a way that you could never have anticipated. That's what plastic surgery is about. So much. Thank you so much, doctor. I love this conversation. Um, I have never had plastic surgery. Well, I've been through surgery in my appendix and my C-section. I'm not close to it. I'm open to it. And I'm considering like in the future when I'm officially done with children, that's something that I would definitely consider. But I do, you know, applaud and admire people who make the decision for themselves when it's the right time. They do their research, do their homework. And you're right. They do feel like a different person and so much better afterwards. So every case is different. Do your research, yeah. do your homework. This is not a procedure or a decision that you want to, you know, cut ways or what is it the saying? Um, you're going to make like cut corners. cut corners. Yes. This is like one of those big important decisions. Oh, yeah, so yeah, really, yeah. really look into it. Take your time. And like the doctor said, you know, jump in. Yeah. This is my podcast. It's called Plastic Surgery Uncensored. Plastic Surgery Uncensored. It is exactly what I just did with you guys for the last hour on steroids. Every topic, every imaginable concept, are implants safe? Am I going to get breast cancer? You know, from A to Z, this show is designed exactly for this reason. It's designed to empower people so they feel safe and educated. You know, so I think people, if they're listening and they're like, ah, oh, this sounds interesting, I may be interested. I think it's an incredible resource for them. So if you guys want to check out Plastic Surgery Uncensored or my Instagram, which is Dr. Roddy Raban, I hopefully you'll find the information educational, not promotional, educational mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, in the sense that it gives you guidance. Thank great. you for having me, guys. You guys Thank are you. bold. Bold. Thank We're you. talking plastic surgery. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, doctor. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado Y esa es mi mala fortuna Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo Llega Univision El gallo de oro Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte A quien ella quiera Estás tardando en conquistarla Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa Este gallo está cambiando la vida En una historia legendaria de amor y azar No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr El gallo de oro Lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision